1: Welcome to episode 295 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and joining me today, all the way from Barca TV Plus, well, that's actually digital. I-, I should be more specific. All the way from Barcelona is Jamie Coles. Jamie, thanks for joining the show.
2: Hey, it's uh, great to be here. Thank you very much for having me
1: yeah so we are putting the disclaimer up top that yeah everybody knows that i do some of the twitch stuff for barca but jamie is is very much in the weeds of barca tv plus working for the club so i I know people are very critical when when my guests aren't don't heap the negativity on bar on fc barcelona the way they feel like they should so we're putting the disclaimer up top that jamie does work for barca tv plus and we want to keep jamie in his job so we are going to talk about some (laughs) positive stuff we're going to talk about personalities of players we hope to give you information here about players or things that you might not know behind the scenes of how that all works and then we're definitely going to talk about the Femini which was not which is not going to put Jamie's job in jeopardy because that's a lot of positive stuff there so that's the second half of the show today so Jamie let, let's start today talking again he's going to help me out all things FC Barcelona but it is the international break so we are going to do a few things off the pitch first and I said onto the field on to the first team for a little bit there then on to the the Barcelona Femini so Jamie you ready? Yeah let's give it a go. All right. So <laughs> one of the highlights uh, from you that I saw last year—again, uh, correction for people—you are you working on both as a, an on-air talent and behind the scenes a bit too with Barca TV+. Plus. They're doing commentary, doing some of the specialty shows. And I, I think the highlight for me, watching your, your highlight package from all the work you've done in your time with Barca for the last year, was that cooking show. with And again, American bias, here comes. Everybody knows it's coming. Segino so Dest and Conrad De La Fuente. Unfortunately, Conrad is now at, at Marseille. But that, that cooking show that they did. And I think a lot of Kool-Aids obviously assume we know who these players are inside and out off the field. Or we know exactly or characterize what Segino Dest is based on reputation or the way his mannerisms on the field, but what is Des like in that kind of environment, where, where it is kind of laid back? And I mean, is he really that that uh, eccentric? You know, wearing the the basketball jersey at a Messi's press conference? Just just is is that Eugenio Des the meeting in behind the scenes too?
2: Yeah, I mean, we had like an hour with him in our in our kitchen TV set, and he he was really really nice. Like he was super chilled. Uh, yeah, he's got his eccentricities. I think you know we saw that side of him like you say at messi's press conference i remember seeing the photos of that afterwards and i was like what is Des wearing?" <laughs> but that's great you know i love a bit of personality and character and and he came on it was so he was on the very first episode like the pilot of that tv show uh we didn't really know how it was all going to work with the players we'd rehearsed plenty of times in advance and he really got into it he just threw himself 100 into it he was like i'm gonna give this my my all uh he was there to win like he was like you know super competitive about it with comrade as well i think those two got on really well um so that would that definitely helped and yeah he's just like everything that we kind of asked uh, he wanted to to have a go at uh up to the point where at the end the, the hour kind of finished that we had with the players to to film everything and uh he was like no, no i'm gonna stay. i want to stay here and chill out with you guys and like he was eating the 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 meatballs and spaghetti that we made and like yeah he was really really cool really chilled and and just like happy to to, to have a good time you know and, and film some TV
1: so was he I, I mean the cooking show continue on was were they easier than the basketball players or was that more difficult
2: no and Brandon Davis and Victor Clave the basketball players they were great they were really really fun and and I think we because we'd got into it there was a second episode we kind of knew a little bit more what to expect as well and what we could try and do and and our director he's uh he he pushes me to my (laughs) limits he was like jamie we're gonna drink you know i'm only like like five foot five at a push uh he's like we're gonna put you next to these basketball players we're gonna dress you up as a basketball player we're gonna try and get you played one-on-one with brandon davis and we did it all and and they were they were real good sports about it and i think they had a lot of fun as well um so it was it was two very different different sides um and and different filming but I i think that happens you know you're on a tv set there's no music or anything so when you're kind of filming it, everything's a bit weird anyway everything's very like unnatural almost you know it's it's kind of different in that way but to, to have those there and, and to have them really get into it and like really buy into this like at the end of the day it's kind of a nonsense thing that we're doing like getting these footballers like to come and and cook and for me that's awesome because it's yeah, my dream was always to work on a cooking show. I didn't think it would happen at Barca TV+. Plus. So when they said, like, hey, Jamie, we want to work on this, like, it was a dream come true. Um, and I think it's cool for the players because they're not doing the usual kind of sit down, talk about the season, talk about the the objectives for the season, how they see other players. You know, they were in this different world that they're not used to. And we got to ask some questions. Like, like I got to ask Comrade if he's ever eaten uh, alligator or yeah. um, we talked to Sergio Dest about, like, what music he listens to when he cooks and stuff. So there's a different... Like a different way of of interacting with the players as well, so that was that was really cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's this weird balance, especially like creating content for Barca TV Plus, where with results not going the club's way and and you know whether it's two matches in a row or three matches in a row, when things are just kind of sour on the internet or outside of the club, with the people who are going to be engaging your content, I, I know it can be challenging. Where you know these players, especially as people too, they're they're paid a lot of money to win games, and when they don't necessarily win games or get the results that fans want things can seem sour and it seems like that is myopically the only thing that's going on in everybody's life at all times. And of course that's their job. Their job is to win football games, not to win cooking shows with you guys too. But again, I understand the challenge of, you know, people expect that these players are going to Completely be—I mean, their personalities are going to represent everything that they are on the field at all times, and, and so I, I would say, like w- again, the challenges of creating that content. But I know you haven't met all the players. What have you gotten from either Georgina or or Mai or some of the, the those at Barca TV Plus or Diego, uh, who's been on the show before, who's who've met some of the players? And uh, how do you guys create content and figure out the content based on even what? kind of breaking those perceptions that Dembele is just some kind of, you know, basically just this immature kid who does nothing but play video games. So he gets injured all the time. And, and Pooj is nothing but happy all the time. A hundred percent of the time, always smiling. That's all that he is. And then, and then PK is kind of, you know, he a little is. Bit of a, you
2: know no Ricky Pooj is always like <laughs> super positive, man. <laughs> There's a lot of, a lot of pre-planning goes into everything we do. You know, we never just turn up with a camera and start shooting and start asking them questions or, you know, Georgina never just sort of happens to sit down with them and do the 90 second challenge or whatever it is she's doing. So all of these players, we kind of there's a lot of of preparation, a lot of uh, research goes into it. You know, we spend a lot of time trawling their their Instagram or their Twitter or to find out kind of what they like and what they're doing and what we could ask them that could maybe provoke a bit of a, a response that shows that that side of them that maybe fans don't see in a 90 minute match plus the 30 seconds that they speak to the press after the match um and so i think for us on bossa tv plus and, and i know you asked about players and i'll i'll i uh we'll talk about some in a minute if you like but i think for us and you said you know you thought about making content i think that's that's kind of our challenge is to kind of give a more fuller picture of these players um that, that the fans maybe won't get access to otherwise and so that's why I like inviting them into the kitchen or uh, i don't know if you've seen made in la masia with with ricky budge of course that's uh it's it's a really cool documentary yeah. and and being able to kind of film different things and then sit him down and show him them and talk, them, you know, get his reactions to them. I think it's, it gives a really great insight to what these players are like as, a, as, as people, which for me, like that's, that's everything, you know, the the people's stories, the people connection, the result on the pitch obviously is important. Um, but for me as a, as a storyteller, as a, a you know, content creator, a TV content creator, uh, it's, it's these human connections and these human stories.
1: Yeah, I mean, before we get into more players, especially on the Pooj point, that, you know, while watching that, it is this reminder that even if Ricky Puj because he you know at 21 now if he or 22 if, if he can't get on the field and he can't become a first team regular at, at FC Barcelona like he wants to it's just you know we, we take as, as fans we take our emotion out of it and we say you know hey you know for the best thing for his career for the business decision he needs to move on or he needs to go elsewhere and then you watch that kind of documentary and reminded that that no Puj wants to succeed at FC Barcelona that's what he wants to do that's that's the thing he's always wanted to do that's why he's been here for years that's why when he started his career at at Jacob Teresa which is the same place that Sergio Busquets got his up uh, get start. And even from there, when he first got the chance to come to, I think it was what, the Cadet A level with Barcelona, and then he changes his position and he does all these different things so that he can try to succeed. He, he does what he's told at La Masia so that he can potentially succeed someday. And now it's at that point of his a critical part of his career where he's either being patient and potentially going to, to, to swim or or he's going to wait too long and potentially sink, and, and and those hard business decisions are going to have to be made for Pooch. But yeah, at the end of the day, he's just this 21-year-old kid or 22-year-old kid who's Just trying to enjoy his time at FC Barcelona, which is a place that he's been for a long time, and it's his home. And I I think as as fans, we do remember that. And and to your point about the the negativity, you know, jumping back and forth. I mean, I struggle with myself where on the YouTube channel I'm coming out with a thing about all the backstories of all the all the the young the the dream team as Rafisa Barca had it, and you know how they got to to Barcelona and how Barcelona built uh, this group of players. But I know that that video, just speaking again behind the scenes, you know, lifting up the hood here with this conversation with you that thinking about the content itself i know that if i created something much more inflammatory about the, the laporta latest press conference and, and messy, messi and and if i made it negative i know that people will care and people will respond to it and you're going to get feedback and you're going to get you know a lot of views but i know that that thing that by characterizing them as as people people or going through the history of the club, people just don't care as much, and and that's a tough balance, right? That that negativity is the thing that's going to get the clicks and engagement, but it's not really substantial content that you and I, as content creators, want to pour our heart into because it's just negativity all the time.
2: Yeah, I mean, regardless of what I'm doing at the club, I, I'm well aware of the situation, the state of the internet, where yeah, anger sells, I, and it's it's that simple. Sadly, you know. And that's why I think we're finding such like divisive press at the minute. And I don't want to go on too much of a rant about this because I could go on for hours, but I I think everything's either black or white these days. And that's just not the case in reality, in human lives. Uh, But sadly that doesn't sell or newspapers or TV shows or get you the clicks on your website or your YouTube channel. Uh, But I'm completely with you. I think it's, it's far more, not necessarily difficult, but there's, more to putting together something meaningful and something with a human connection and something that, that allows people to to maybe shine regardless of, of everything else than it is to put out something that, that like you say, just some clickbait or yeah, you know, something inflammatory. So yeah, I, I, and that's a, for us at Basta TV, like that's a nice challenge. You know, that's a, we want to sit down and tell their stories. And like you say, whether it's with Georgina on the, the YouTube or Sarah on the YouTube channel or, even like commentating a match and you know, you've called matches and sports events and stuff being able to sort of editorialize a little bit and talk about other things that aren't necessarily directly on the pitch that may have some kind of influence or impact or a bit of story. Like, I think that's a nice thing to have. And I think it gives people a reason to emotionally invest in these, these people, these players, or these athletes or, or whatever. And Like for me, I think like I said it before. That's the most important thing is these human connections and these human stories. So yeah, I I agree with you. I think it would be be so easy to do so. And and just going to what you sort of said about how people take to Twitter and they say, hey, like Ricky Pudge isn't getting as, as many first team minutes as he deserves or whatever. You have to remember that that these kids grew up in La Masia. They they've made a lot of sacrifices for FC Barcelona. They love FC Barcelona. It's their home. Their best friends probably play and work there as well. You know, it's it's not as easy as just saying, "Ah, oh, yeah, I'll just up, uplift everything, and go somewhere else." um And their dream is to play for for Barca, whether it's Ricky pudge or, or someone else. um So I don't think it's it's uh, it's the same old thing with social media, isn't it? It's so right, easy right. to come out with with something and oh, Messi should have agreed to play for free, or he should have gone to I don't know some third division club and agreed to play for free there, or. You know, there was all, all sorts of things that came out when he, he left, Yeah, but that's so easy to say, you know? The, the reality is, is often a very different story.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data When you think of great duos, who do you think of?
1: Jordan and Pippen, or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Pugliol or PK and Mascherano, or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Well, yeah. And I think too, I mean, the second half of our show is all about the feminine, but you and I had spoken again, just I feel like I'm being way too honest on this podcast, but even for me, just knowing <laughs> that if I just made it all about the Femini today, that I think, you know, people would not necessarily be as interested because the feminine doesn't have the same following, obviously, that the men's team does, which has been around since 1899, where the Femini team has only been around really in its current form for uh, about 15 years-ish, give or take, depending, like with actual investment for about 10 years, uh, you know, financial yeah. investment, as I've talked about on the show before. So yeah, I mean, from day to day, well, as we know- There was that-
2: ca- Sorry, I'm gonna, there was that campaign, wasn't there, recently when we we launched the the new second team, strip the purple strip, yeah, and they that kind of big launch with the women's team, and they were saying that you know those players that that laid the groundwork for us to be able to have a women's team now, some of them weren't even ever allowed to play because it was like outlawed for women to play football yeah. in the I, whatever year it was, nineteen seventy, yeah, um, yeah, nineteen seventy is not that long ago, really, it's, right, <laughs> you know, yeah, right, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and to that to that end, with everything going well with the feminine, it's a reminder too that football club Barcelona, yes, football is in the the name, but there's as you talked about with the basketball program and the the, the all the other all the other clubs, if you will, or all the other different sports that global international fans don't care about because they not only do they have not have access to it, but it's also if I'm going to watch, I mean, I'm in the US, so if I'm going to watch basketball, you know, I'll occasionally I try to watch the, the basketball, the, the Balancesto when I can, but by and large, the NBA, just the level here, I'm going to watch the NBA. That, that, that's the two things that's in my back door. But for the feminine, they are, we're going to get, again, I don't want to get fully into the feminine, but they are a premium of what women's football is representing at the moment. However, working for the club, How much would you say from day to day of your time and everyone's attention is going towards the men's team? And to that end, you know, as serious days that happen when the men's team, you know, lose to Bayern Munich 3 0, and it seems like there's a cloud around the whole, I mean, there's a dark cloud around the whole club, but because the club is made up of so many different sports and so many different people, and it's right that on the same day that the the, the men's team might lose, the women might win eight one or right or nine one. So I mean, what is it from day to day, and how much of everyone's attention is just involved in the result and what happened with the the men's first team?
2: To be very blunt, I think that that more people probably come to Barca TV Plus for the men's team. You know, but I you think. You don't be think... blunt
1: about that. I mean, that, that's a truth. I mean, it's it's yeah yeah yeah. The, the men's uh, team uh, but, exists. But, they they built this thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and and. I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase it. Now. <laughs> so yeah, people come to Barca TV plus primarily I'd imagine most of them for the, the men's team. Um, and so as a result, we have to prioritize the men's team. That's probably the, it's not probably it's the primary business of the club. Uh, and, and as a result, it's the primary business of Barca TV plus as well. Um, but the reality is that we, we try and give as much to each different section as the audience demand sort of thing it's of course you know we very much try and meet audience needs as best we can um and there are people that, that have got much more complicated jobs than me that, that do the data analytics and we run um we run polls and and questionnaires and and we, we try and make sure that everything's kind of as best tailored to the fans as, as it possibly can be because that's what that, that, that's the whole point at the end of the day you know and in terms of results i think for us certainly for me like my number one priority is to make cool content to make cool tv to you know create stuff that these fans are going to enjoy watching we can't avoid the fact that a 3-0 defeat to bayern munich isn't what we want obviously um but at the same time we kind of need to stay positive and and almost like move on not as quickly as possible but fairly promptly to look forward to the next thing that's going to happen and yeah okay that can get challenging keep that positive spin or it can get challenging to go and do uh, a cooking show when um you know the players aren't necessarily getting the results they want but i think it's it's important to celebrate the victories where there are victories um and so whether that's I don't know, in basketball or or women's football or wherever it's it's just as important to celebrate those as the men's team in my opinion yeah i mean and, and there's and there's plenty to celebrate you know women's i mean the women's team like There aren't enough superlatives to describe how how their their seasons going and and the past season as well. Um, And there's a lot to celebrate with, like Gabi Pedri, you know, in the in the national teams, um, as well as making their debuts and putting putting in really great performances for such you know young guys in the Barca first team, you know, on such a big stage like the Camp Nou. So there's plenty to celebrate there, and it's not always just the results.
1: Yeah for sure and speaking of Pedri you know we're going to we're detouring a little bit from the first team and uh, getting outside of the, the city itself but what do you think of Pedri being named as a Ballon d'Or finalist or the Golden Ball uh, <laughs> finalist instead of say Frankie De Young or even Memphis being named to the list at all I mean at the end of the day it doesn't really matter I mean we've said the individual awards I mean, Messi's won it more than anyone else, yet he's said many, many times, you know, this doesn't really matter, team trophies are the thing that define careers, but I think at the end of the day, Messi will probably win it again, or should at least win it again this year, um, and the other nominations don't matter, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's I don't know, Pedri as the, the one sole representative for the current squad of FC Barcelona for the Ballon d'Or is, it, I know it's interesting, it, 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 I think it made the proper headline it should have, because uh, you know, feeling like Frankie, or I mean, even Memphis for his time at Lyon and for the Netherlands, feels like a bit of an omission. Those two,
2: yeah. And I have seen loads of tweets and headlines and stuff saying that other players have been overlooked as well. And um, I think for me, like Pedri to have burst onto the scene as he has done and play, you know, I, I mean, I, I did his um, when when they signed the contract, we did like a, a live show. And and I did like the the running commentary and the translation of his press mm-hmm. conference and stuff, and and nobody knew who he was like nobody he was a complete unknown, and he he came as this young hopeful to FC Barcelona and he very quickly joined the starting eleven, and deservedly and he put in some amazing amazing performances with Barca, and then he put in some amazing performances with Spain, and then he put in some amazing performances in the Olympics, so I think. To have kind of like arrived, and and to have risen so drastically, that needs to be recognized some way or another. A Ballon D'Or, I don't know, um, maybe. <laughs> like I don't know, but I think it's great that he's included alongside these these big names, uh, because I think it's I think it's deserved. I think it's it's not every day that a player just appears and leaves such a a huge mark on the sport.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's sell to Ballon d'Or as well, too. They wanted to make sure that they gave, again, Barcelona didn't wind up winning any any uh, any trophies. So in, the, in a year where Barcelona doesn't win major trophies, it's difficult to put too many players from one squad in the same place. So we really can think of this list as Messi, who was Barcelona's best player, you know, for 15 years, uh, and Pedri were the two representatives for Barcelona. So, like, for me, yeah, I thought Memphis at Lyon and Netherlands was better than Neymar was last year, and that would be one of my changes. And what I always say about these lists is that whenever you argue about who's a snub, I always say you have to make sure that you're, you you rise to the occasion and you take somebody off. So I would say that I would take Neymar off from Memphis and I would have taken, if I'm going to have to add Frankie for what he did with the Netherlands, I would take off Simon Chier, um, or Chier, or however you however you pronounce that, uh, the, the um, who was, I believe, playing, uh, was it Italy or, uh, yeah, I think he's playing for Milan. Um, so that would be the name that i take off, but also I understand how they wanted to you know give some credit to one of the players on Milan, totally get it. but. Now speaking of Ballon d'Or, let's transition to the Femini. Um, <laughs> Alexi Buteus, Sandra Panos, Lecky Martins, Irene Paredes, and Jenny Hermoso all named to the shortlist for the Ballon d'Or. But it was funny for as good as the Femini have been, I looked at the list and I wondered where Aitana Banmati and Caroline Graham Hansen were. And usually I'm not somebody who gets into the gets into the inflammatory stuff, but I just I thought they were omissions. No, no, no matter what you say, I mean there are other players on the list that I would have taken off for those two. And I mean, it's crazy that one team would get, what was it? Seven players, but really Irene was getting that nomination for her work with PSG last year where they were sure. their, their best ever. So really it's just six players that are getting the, that kind of recognition. But I mean, yeah, I just, I, I wondered where, where, where Caroline and and thought were
2: <laughs> along with a lot of other people, I think. Yeah. Um, but then I don't know how would it have looked to have seven Barca players Right. nominated shortlisted i don't know Um uh, I, I i agree i think potentially they could have nominated a dozen barca players you know they had such a i i i i struggled to find words you know for what their season was last year because it was it was just outstanding it you know they lost what two matches or something in in they lost to atletico madrid who they beat last just last weekend and they, off the top of my head, I can't remember. I now. think they
1: lost the they lost the Spanish Super Cup, and then didn't they lose to Valencia? And at they the lost... end of the season, or was it Valencia? It was somebody. Yeah, they had to like the a rocky
2: end to rock, the season, a rocky end for sure. Rocky end. We put for that, end that team, on for, yeah, yeah. For yeah. Listeners, they are putting quotes on. But yeah, they just had such this this like amazing amazing run. Like it, it, it's hard to kind of distinguish, and and they're such a great team. Like they they're such a. They 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 meld together as a team as well, you know. So it's it's really hard to kind of pull out just one name that, that stood out among the rest. Obviously, Alexia got the uh, Pachichi and and that counts a lot. But like they all just work together so much. Yeah. You mentioned Caroline. Like Caroline is the the architect for so many goals in that team, as well as scoring herself and and just absolutely dominating that wing when she gets hold of the ball. Um. Yeah, I, I, it wouldn't have surprised me if she were there. Maybe I'm a bit more surprised that she's not there, but I don't know. You have to draw a line, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, well, then, and then Aitana Bomati is just like her work ethic is, is, is incomparable. Um, she recovers so many balls and sets up so many plays from the midfield. Uh, she's another that I think would have fit in perfectly on the shortlist.
1: Well, I'm going to do the hard work for you, and I'm going to say that Alexi (laughs) Boutens was the best player on the team last year and deserves all the recognition. I thought... I mean, I do watch enough women's football here in the US with the NWSL, whether it's the Women's World Cup International stuff, whether it was the Euros, whether it was... I mean, I even tried to catch highlights about uh, what's happening in the Women's Super League over in the UK, just to see what the different level is. Because again, there's a little more parity there, obviously, than in Spain. And I've talked on this podcast before, the issues with the Spanish League, why there are not financial resources in other teams, and why everybody else basically needed to catch up to the feminine. That's the most important thing. But... As I say, Alexia Puteas, you know, she was, I thought, the best player on the best team, you know, by not even a considerable margin. But I, it was funny this week, a bit more snubbing. Alexia wasn't in FIFA's new, the new game. And I don't know how much, I, I don't play much, but and, I, and w- whether you play or not. And so she wasn't in FIFA's new game, the top 22 players. So her rating was not in the top 22. And that definitely raised my eyebrows on that one. You know, maybe we need to send an email to, to EA because the reigning UEFA Women's Player of the Year, 43 matches last season, 26 goals, and only 27. So I do say, yes, she's a snub. She said she hadn't played in 15 years. So it's you know, something to laugh about. But at 27, listening to her one-game pair trophy, what makes her speech, what makes her the right person for the, for the captaincy?
2: What makes it the right person for the captaincy? Uh, I, didn't, I didn't think you were leading up to that question. <laughs> um, well, I'm not going to give you an easy one. Just but, say... Yeah, no, no, matter. no. no, oh, no, no. no I, I, I think there'd be very few people that disagree with you that she was the best player last season. Uh, uh, like she was just a standout. For the captaincy, I think her dedication to Barca carries a lot of weight. And and she did an interview this past week with the, the revista, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Or oh, I can't remember. No, I, I had so many interviews and stuff. But she basically sort of said she wants to... To, to have the duration of her career at at Barca. like she doesn't want to go anywhere else. She's not interested in going anywhere else. Um, and I think that count that carries a lot of weight. Uh, she knows the team inside out. She's got great relationships with all the players. She she sets up I think probably as many goals as she scores, if not more. Um, you know, she's she's giving goals to other players, which I, I think is is important in the position that she's in to then take on a captaincy as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of wondered how Irene Paredes would fit into that because she's the Spanish national captain, and and you know she's she's got this strong leadership role, and and she she does a lot of the work from the back. She does a lot of the distributing the ball. Uh, she pairs up amazingly with Mapi Leon, but we expected that from seeing her play in Spain as well. Uh, but you know she's got that that strong leadership as well. That that she probably would be as just as good a captain. Jenny Hermoso is another one that. You know, she, she leads from the front. I think it would have been difficult for me to have chosen a captain. And so why not pick a standout player like Alexia? Uh, but yeah, I, I think she just runs the show very much from midfield, especially in attack.
1: Well, I also think the challenges of a captain at Barcelona for the between what Sergio Busquets has to do as a captain. And that's basically be the, 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 the face for when things are not going well and to be a leader in that way, and basically take on all the public pressure and be the, that leading force that in, in that vacancy, having Messi gone. And then the, the history of that captaincy, the weight of whether it was Xavi, whether it was uh, Iniesta or Puyol, of course, like there's all these different players just in the last 20 years. And, and again, what that weight of that, that does mean. And then the responsibility for the women's captain is, is something totally different because the, the harsh reality is that, that women's football, especially that in Spain, is fighting for recognition is fighting for the attention that that it deserves so it what really impresses me about Alexia, and you say that she is you know barcelona until she dies is um she was asked about that captaincy and she immediately follows the line of captains who have been there while she's been on the team from Ani Escrivano to Laura Raffles to Marta Unze to Vicky, uh, Vicky Lasada and he, she just kind of names them she just kind of lists like hey i got something from each of these to become the captain of Barcelona even at 27 because i've been around the first team for now 10 years since we went from not being professionals to being full blown professionals and 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 our our salary is starting to match that and to me also the way she's been out i mean it's about that coverage, too, and she's been outspoken about things that, while it not, has not made headlines, if she was the men's captain or if she was captaining a trouble-winning side in the men's, and she made some of the comments she's made that I'm about to, to, to read, that she would be getting, for bo- I mean, both good and bad. She would be getting a lot of press for these comments, so she was quite outspoken about the prison sentences relating to Catalan independence, which is, again, for a Catalan captain at FC Barcelona is always going to be something that's going to create discussion. You know, we don't go into the politics of it here, but it's something that always creates discussion. And then she also said about the jersey availability for the feminine players about how, and she kind of went through even the marketing strategies of, hey, these jerseys need to be in those those stores and those shops. And they have to be in those places so you can buy Aitana's. Uh, and I think Aitana was the one she mentioned. So you need to buy Jenny's jersey. You need to be able to buy Aitana's. That's how you make more fans of, of this sport. Uh, then she talked about, you know, the, the digital, I mean, the, the the broadcasting, right? She even spoke about that. And then something as simple as having fans know when and where to watch the feminine matches at least a week before. So she's, not only she's thinking about how to be the best player on the field, how to be a captain of the feminine and do all this winning, but she also is considering taking on the responsibility of trying to be that voice for how to grow the sport, how to literally grow the popularity for her sport and the team that she lives for beyond FC Barcelona. And I think that's what makes her the perfect captain for FC Barcelona at this moment. And being 27, we hope that in the next six seven years, if she stays only thirty three thirty four and she'll still be captain, that you know her voice is going to be found in different places, right? It starts to make the headlines at ESPN FC because whoa, oh, did you hear what the Femini at Barcelona, the 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 three time treble winning <laughs> captain in Barcelona? You know, what she had to say today, right? And, and I hope that we get to that point where it does enter the the international zeitgeist and does enter into the the news in that way.
2: I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more, and and she's been very vocal, and I I remember when they won the Champions League actually, that she said, like, this is just great. It's great for women's football. It's great for women's football in Spain. She's you know, she talked about I I think I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it was Alexia. When she was growing up, she was like, We didn't have heroes to look to. Or we did, but they were men's footballers, you know, they were and and she says it's great now that we can set an example to these kids that, that can grow up watching us play football. And, and and I think it's happening and it's happening in the club as well, you know? Like the the feminine shirts now they sell them for women and for men like this season I think if I remember correctly is the first season you could buy a Barca feminine shirt with the Stanley sponsorship in in the men's fitting
1: mm-hmm.
2: and and like little things like that I think are really important because it shows that that you've got this solidarity with the team you see the team as important as the men's team uh, there's things like like sharing training facilities I think that was an important step. For, for the women's team to be seen as as equals. And obviously there are various other issues um, that aren't in place for women's football, not necessarily at Barca, but, but across the world of women's football. And she is vocal about that and she speaks out about that and, and she calls things out for what they are. And like you say, if it were the men's team captain, it'd be making all kinds of waves and headlines. And I mean, maybe that's what she wants to do. Maybe she wants to make headlines because she believes in the fight that she's fighting
1: yeah so I mean that that's a difficult fight I think the easier fight is the one that they have on the on the field with just the turns of talent that they have so I got two more for you um before I let you go Jamie one I think a little more difficult one easier let's start with the easy one so getting the action <laughs> uh, after dominating Arsenal in the Champions League I think some fans kind of did they rolled their eyes a little bit about Barca's domination because as, as, as awful as it sounds it seems like people already kind of fed up with them crushing everybody they face which you know here we go again they will never get a tough game and yet you were on the call for that atletico madrid match and uh, you know i was watching it in the first half yeah it was close it was technically a close game but it still ended three nothing caroline was almost perfect in that match and a kind of reminded us with the opening goal and her movement and everything else that she's also a star that kind of does kind of get lost in all the other amazing attractions that that the the feminine have but I mean, do you think it's good that they they very rarely do get a tough task? And do you think you know being on the call? Did you feel like that game was ever in question?
2: Uh, so Saturday, I, I've had this horrible cold, and Saturday I was so so coldy. So I I apologize now if I was like one play behind and all all bunged up <laughs> and nasally. Um, but yeah, I think like we talk we talk about this. We do talk about it and. And I did the Arsenal match with Emma Byrne. That unfortunately we couldn't broadcast it live, but we did, you know, a Barca TV Plus version that you could watch on catch up and on demand. And and Emma Byrne is a former Arsenal player, and she came in. She says Barca are going to steamroll them. She says, but I really hope Arsenal bring a fight because I really want to yeah. see Barca be tested. And up to that point, they hadn't lost a match by any. Uh, sorry, they have not won a match by by any less than five goals. You know, I think they were, I can't remember how they started the season. It was like five nil, five nil. And well, then, and then the like eight 0 well, yeah, and then nine well, one against Alaves yeah. when they, they conceded the first goal of the season.
1: <laughs> How dare Alaves! Uh, <laughs>
2: and it was a lucky, it was a lucky goal from a yeah. corner, and, and like from where from the angle I had, I didn't think that header was going in, and it kind of like, like almost like uh, arced over mm-hmm. the top of uh, it was Cattercole in 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 goal. But yeah, good. Like I want to see them get tested. I want to see them win, of course. But I think as a spectator, it's it's nice to see a bit of a show, a bit of a spectacle. It's as a Barca fan, it's nice to see your team smashing eight goals past the opposition, (laughs) but, but it is nice to see a bit more of a challenge. And I think in that first half, I think it was a bit more of a fight. I think Atletico surprised Barca quite a bit. Um, I mean, they, they, all the interviews before the match, they were like, yeah, we know Atletico surprises, you know, we've, we've been there. They hadn't yet won at that, at that ground. Um, the new, uh, Centro Deportivo Wanda. And so they were Barca were out there for a fight as well. And their usual tactic of coming out the gate swinging. I think Atletico did really well to neutralize that and, and shut that down. And they put in some quite creative moves as well. And they they pressed just as high as Barca did and made their life difficult. But as soon as that first goal went in, I was sort of like, ah, here we go. And then in the second half, Lika came on and it was like, ah, here we go. You know, now, now things are going to get, interesting and then uh, it was great to see jenny and wabi back Layla back on on the pitch as well after they've been out for for injury and missed the start of the season uh so that was that was great too to see them return and yeah i think a three nil defeat like when you've been following barca women eight you know eight nil eight nil nine one whatever to come away with a 3-0 win, it's sort of like, oh, it's just a 3-0 win. But then you think about it, it's like, I know, 3-0 win is a great win, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but we're just so used to winning by by so much.
1: Yeah, I mean, every part of me wants Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid to catch up a bit in you know in their quality. And, and a reminder, too, that, that Barcelona, even, what was it, three years ago when Atletico Madrid was winning the league, and it wasn't that long ago when Atletico Madrid was actually a little bit of the better side, and then all of a sudden... Yeah. Barcelona just zoomed past them in that race and wound up zooming past a bunch of other teams that you thought were, that were, were going to be at that level, right? So now Barcelona immediately does, well, they're going to have to do a lot more winning to, to get to the level of prestige that Lyon and Wolfsburg have. But yet on the field and talent-wise, they're, they're, very, much, they're very much right there
2: like watching them play is, is it's something to marvel at because they move so in sync. And, mm-hmm. you know, you see these, the, the triangle formation when they're with the ball, and if they're not with the ball then they work in sort of pairs to, co- to, to close it down. And, and there's always that one third player sort of overlapping and just like strategically. And I'm not a huge strategy guy. I, I like, I like to watch good football or, or soccer, but it's like strategically watching them work their system. And, and they know like, they've they've got it so in their head what they need to do and they work together so well and that they're, they're almost like finishing each other's sentences sometimes, you know, they, they're that in sync. And it's it's really wonderful to watch. But I agree with you. I think for the sake of women's football in Spain, I think they need a little bit more competition because That'll just lift everything up, you know?
1: Yeah, and I think the challenge then becomes very internal. I mean, obviously, Luis Cortez, you win the treble, and then there's a new manager coming in. No, he didn't really come in. it was more of a promotion, of course, for yeah. um, for Gildes. And I mean, the I think the challenge now for him, for the manager, uh, he's a young manager as well, how do you find minutes for everybody? And, and so as much as you think that the the feminine are all just kumbaya and hugging each other, and they are lifting each other up, uh, up, and they are very much in sync, but you know, they want to play too. There are egos there too. And while uh, Vicky Lasada and Kerry Hamraoui left, in come Paredes with no defenders other than, what was it, Codina, I think, was the one who went out on loan, the center back, the young yeah. center back. She goes on loan. She was the only one who left. So it's not like Paredes took her minutes. Paredes needed even more minutes than that. And then Engin comes in, who's kind of a similar in style to Lasada. and then Rolfo joining the forward line. So I think the idea is that Engin is like for like for Lasada. And then a defensive midfielder for Hamraoui didn't need to be replaced because Paredes is now the starting center back and Patry who can just stay in the midfield and doesn't have to play on the back line where she was so good in the Champions League too. Incredible that defensive midfield just fills in there. But I think the, the real question that I'm asking about where does he find those minutes definitely comes on the front line there. As I said, like everything kind of makes sense behind, I mean, and, and those like uh, Andres Pereira like, or, or Falcone, like they will lose minutes, sure, uh, with, with Pereira. But, you know, whether it's Claudia Pina, the 20-year-old striker who returned from loan, as I said, CGH, Mariona, who was, again, one of my favorite players. I mean, you'd have to... It'd be difficult for me to... If I had to choose between Alexi Buteis or Aitana or Mar- Mariona's jerseys, I, I think I'd it'd be tough. <laughs> I'd have to go with all three, but Mariona. And then uh, Jenny, obviously, has returned from injury. Rolfo is new to the, the show. Bruna Villamala, who has 14 goals in 17 matches and is still just 19 years old. She needs minutes, obviously, for development. And then Aswala and, and Martins. And so that's eight players for three spots. So I guess not that bad in terms of total number of players. But then six of them, and so again, no disrespect to the young players in Villamala and, and, and Claudia, but six of those players would be starting every match for almost any other team in the world. I mean, and I think that winds up being the, not only is it at the back that's been fortified by Paredes to basically get rid of the one issue that the Femini had last year, and that they could be a little shaky at the back against very talented opponents, as they were in 2019. But now with and Paredes... they're so
2: solid. They're so now solid they're now. With, yeah, with with yeah, right. With Mapilion so and Paredes, on. like, they're, they're just this dream combo in defense yeah. like, there's nothing else like it line
1: because they're just so deep and everybody deserves to start and it's so difficult for a player like Aswala I think to just you know know she's gonna be a bench option when the, the the matches matter the most yet again she'd be starting everywhere else right she'd be in that Ballon d'Or conversation if she was playing at so many other places
2: yeah I think you're right I think it's for, for Jonah Herald it must be difficult every time like you look at his your squad list, and you've got like twenty two amazing potentially starting players, and he's like, "Well, what do I do with this?" And and I remember last season, he I remember him saying like he's almost spoiled for choice. He's you know he, he it's it's a nice problem to have, but I think being in that team, perhaps you have to accept that you're not going to start every match, and accept that there are other players that are just as deserving a starting as you are, and. I mean, I remember one of the, when, when Luis Cortez uh, left, thank you for reminding me his name. <laughs> it's been a long week already. Uh, when he left, I remember there were, you know, various kind of people surmising what, what why he's left and various theories. And, and I remember one of the ones that kept coming out again and again, was kind of like the work ethic and that he wasn't rotating enough. And, and so maybe these players, they're quite happy with this idea that they're going to be more rotations and there are opportunities to, rest as much as there are to come on and, and be, you know, be the star and then be in the spotlight for, for less time perhaps but it, it means that when they are on the pitch they can have this work rate that's much higher I don't know, that's that's kind of my own supposing but isn't it great to have so many star players yeah. ready and willing to fight for the same objective like, I think that's a, that's that's such a great thing um, I mean there's been criticism that, that Lika should have been starting more this part of the season but i think maybe is that as the season rolls on that maybe she will start more and well that's well, that's the giving... argument
1: though about especially Jenny and and and, and Lika, because they are i mean throughout their careers they've had a number of injuries that have always seemed to sideline them when they're at their best and so they oh. only have i mean if if if, if lucky only has to play 22 matches a year as opposed to 40 across international and domestic and Copa del Reyna and Champions League right that being able oh. to rotate and give players the proper rest that, you know, they kind of do deserve. I mean, other than Mariona, who basically, I, I mean, I don't know. She always seems to want to be out there on the field at all times. And she just plays a specific role that seems to be irreplaceable, you know, in a way yeah, that... Yeah,
2: Mariona, just, yeah, she she gets hold of the ball and she just puts it wherever it needs to be for the rest of the team to... To, to score the goal and take the glory, you know, and she's yeah. she's very much a linchpin kind of.
1: Well, yeah, I, I don't like player. to compare the men and women's players, but I mean, she is she is a spitting image of what Pedro was to those all-conquering sides, exactly. Like for like, sure. I mean, whether the the whether it was coming from the academy, right, the the Barcelona type player, that I mean, all of it. So I feel I mean, like
2: I've not I've not really fully answered your questions. <laughs> I've just I've like I've done the politician thing of like I'm avoiding no, them. Mean, but
1: I think we got to where we needed to be. That like with Martins and and Jenny, it, it's it's a good thing to be able to rotate. The the truth is, if hey, if they want to be starters and they want to get the minutes elsewhere, then they will leave. And, and that's true that if they want yeah. to be starting, I mean, and um, Kara Hamraoui has said it herself that she went back to PSG because she wants truly to be uh, an important player in, in a team, as opposed to she wound up having a great champions league final for, I mean, Hamraoui did, but that yeah. said, I mean, she's looking ahead this year and Patri is 24 years old. That, that midfield three of Aitana and Alexia and Patri, if you come to Barcelona, the feminine team, you know that you're likely going to be the fourth option, even if you're the captain that Lasada was last year, right? Even if you're the vice captain, you're still not going to break that midfield three who are all in their mid-20s. They're all just entering their prime. Absolutely.
2: And I think those players don't want to be injured either, you know? They don't want to push themselves to so are they're, they're, I don't know, playing when we're in full flow in this Champions League and whatever else, there's the potential for two matches a week, you know? And they don't want to have to push themselves to those limits where they're risking injury either. So I think each player will have their own priorities. And i decided that she wanted to go back to PSG and, and take a, they take that on that different kind of approach. But we've said it now a couple of times that all these players, how do you just choose between them? They're all so stand out. They've all got such a, a strong personality on the pitch and off the pitch, but the way they play their football. And, and so I think, all of them, whether they're on the, you know, they're they're starting regularly or not, they have this opportunity to shine, and they do so. And I think a lot of them would rather have that than risk potential injury and start every match.
1: Yeah, or not win troubles. I think that's the other option, right? win- <laughs> I mean, that's 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 the you other thing. You go know? somewhere else, and maybe you don't win a treble.
2: <laughs> somewhere else, and don't win a treble. Like, I don't know. If you can get to the end of the season without any injury, and you say, "Well, I started half the matches." but we've got three, you know, and I, I came on as a sub in I don't know, the other 30% of the rest. And then 20% I rested for completely, but look, we've got these, these three cups that, that are the best and biggest in the world. And, okay. and I was there and I was a part of that. I don't know. Like, it, Priorities. You got to choose your priorities, I guess.
1: Right. Uh, well, Jamie, I, I'm really glad that you prioritize coming on uh, the Barcelona podcast. I'm glad we finally got you. So, other than your work for Barça TV Plus, I mean, I mean, you could even go into that. But what else do you have going on aside from that? I know you're doing some other stuff too. Yeah, I,
2: I I'm, I'm a busy guy. Uh, no, come and check out Barça TV Plus because uh, we're we're about to launch a new show on there uh, by the end of the month. I think possibly even as as early as next week um depending on how things go but but we're about to launch a new show that that myself and, and diego lorena uh a big part of and it's it's quite exciting quite it should be quite a lot of fun um so yeah make sure you you head over to Barca tv plus and if you're not there already and you can watch you know a whole bunch of matches uh whether live or on demand and we've got the live coverage and everything else uh yeah I, i'm gonna plug my my podcast it's it's a fairly young podcast uh i think we're up to about episode six now We just published five, six, um, it's called 21 for 21. It's 21 lessons for sport media in the 21st century. So it's all about stuff that's going on, uh, in, in the world of sport. And, you know, we started off talking about, uh, I don't know if you're following the PK and Iba Llanos stuff. Mm -hmm. So Iba Llanos is this sort of Twitch sensation in the Spanish speaking world.
1: I have to learn Twitch. That's what I I know. Uh,
2: He's teamed up with with Gerard Piquet and they're bringing league one matches. uh they're, they're kind of doing following PSG. Uh, Ibai Yanos was the first guy to interview Messi once he signed at PSG. So we saw that there, there wasn't anyone really talking about this in the English speaking world. So we're like, hey, we should we should do something about it. And and my friend, there's the, the co-host, he's a sport marketer, so he's got kind of like a different insight to me about these things, and he, he's very data driven as well. So he's I feel like we bring two different approaches. So we, we started with that. And then we talked about, we do the episode about women's football because uh, they, the whole deal with DAZN and YouTube to bring every UEFA Champions League match for the next two years for free. And yeah. then beyond that, I think there's a, a percentage of matches they're bringing, which is huge. It's huge for that sport. And it's great to give the women's game more visibility in that way. And then we've talked about NFTs and fan tokens. Um, so we, we talk about a bit of everything. Like I say, we're still fairly, fairly new to the the podcasting game, but I uh, give that a plug. So that's 21 for 21. It's on Spotify, Apple, Google, and YouTube, among other places.
1: Yeah. I, I, again, I, I tell people whether you uh, just follow Jamie on Twitter uh, with the link in the, uh, in the show bio, and you can... Again, follow him on that. Listen to that show because I think we gave a little bit, I hope we gave a little bit of a teaser for that kind of stuff that usually people come here for the first team content and us yelling about Kuman or <laughs> everything like that. But uh, yeah, today was a different conversation. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see what people think of, of this show that we just did. And again, some of the things that we talk about where the the way that other than just on the pitch, the way that content is made and produced and given to you and decisions that are made behind the scenes. And again, even just the people who know the players like Jamie getting to know the players. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Again, you can follow him on. Twitter. That's in the show notes. And then we're also at the Barcelona pod on Twitter and Instagram, if you don't know already, Facebook, the Barcelona podcast, that's a closed group as well as Patreon is how we keep making these shows. We're also on YouTube. As I said, I plugged it, but i spent hours this weekend doing a deep dive on how every single one of those dream teen on the cover of Revista Barca have come to Barcelona, and not all of them are from Catalonia. So I think the number was 6 of 14 are not from Catalonia. So uh, how did they get here? How did Barcelona scout them? And and things like that. So that that is what I got into over there. So check that out on YouTube in the coming days. But for now, thanks so much for listening to the Barcelona podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.
3: Forza Barca. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you.